Viktor Frankl said, Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms. To choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's way. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. Stay tuned for the next hour as Sue explores the human psyche, what makes us tick and how to live better, more fulfilled and more meaningful lives. Only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on the Finding Human program on 101.9 High FM. My guest today is Rabbi Alon Joseph, and I'm very excited to have him with me. And our topic initially was going to be choices in chaos, but then we decided to change it to care in chaos. But I think it's going to be both, quite honestly, care and choices, because they do go together. Um, Alon is an executive coach. He uh, runs groups, private groups, work-related uh, groups, and executive groups for his business, Live Your Part. And um, he's, he's also what's called a gratitude guru. He calls himself a culture guru. He's a whiskey, <laughs> a whiskey, a whiskey <laughs> enthusiast and, and also um, uh, works for Hatzola. He, if you want to get onto his LinkedIn, please do so. It's really fascinating. He has the most wonderful um, articles and posts that he puts up about gratitude, and they really and how gratitude actually helps us to survive. I love some of the answers to his to the posts that he puts up. Hello, Alon. How are you today? Hello, Sue. Welcome. Thank you so so much. Such an honor and a privilege to be back in studio with you. Always enjoy our time together. I do too. And the funny thing is that as you walked in, you asked me, well, as we were outside, you asked how long I've been doing this for. And I said, I think seven or eight years. And then you said, ask Craig how long he's been doing it for. And Craig's been doing it for, for how long, Craig? <laughs> Forever. <laughs> and, uh, and Alon used to work with, uh, at Chai FM. And how long ago was that, Alon? I don't know. It's when Chai FM first launched. Uh, we Where was to, it from? It used to be from the the old SABC studios. It was in their basement, right at the bottom. It was uh, <laughs> it was quite a journey to get there. It was in that I don't know where it was, right at the bottom of there. And it was when it first launched, and uh, wow. I was on someone's weekly show there. Oh, how fantastic! So you knew Craig from that. <laughs> now, um, chaos. Uh, if we talk about chaos, I think we need to look at the world today and what's actually going on around us. The wars, the the poverty, the, everything that's going on as far as um, the environment is concerned. Yesterday they were showing n- news of New York being, you know, areas of New York and flooding, and so chaos can be very frightening. What do you, what do you think about chaos? So I think chaos is an interesting is an interesting concept. We look at the world today, as you mentioned. People say the world's in chaos. You look, there's wars, there's famines, there's uh, chaos by definition, I'm sure you're going to share with us just now. I know you love your definitions. And chaos by definition seems to be, you know, it's disorganized. It's, it's pandemonium. You like think, oh, you know, a person says my life's in absolute chaos. There's no order. There's no structure to anything. And sometimes chaos is just a frame of mind. It's the way that we perceive things to be. It's the way that we look at the world around us, whether it's on a personal level, on a micro level, on a macro level. It's how we look at things and, what chaos tends to do is it tends to have an in, 
quite a deep impact on our personality is that we can't think straight. We think everything's bad and it's only going to get worse. That, uh, that pessimist inside of us looks at the world around us and says, Oh, this is terrible. This is mm-hmm. bad. I don't see any good in everything. It's just, and it just seems to be getting worse. And if we look at the world around us, we can understand why people could have such a mindset that the world's in absolute chaos. But the question we have to ask ourselves is, is that true? And how do we deal with the chaos that the world seems to be in? And how do we bring a sense of calm into our lives and other people's lives? You know, Seneca, the one of the Stoics, said to bear trials with a calm mind robs misfortune of its strength and burden. And I like that because it meant that there are always fears and trials around. But if we don't give in to them, we can actually rise above above them and dilute what they're trying to do to us. We're getting back to that shortly. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. This is Sue Jackson on the Finding Human program, and my guest today is Rabbi Alon Joseph. And if you'd like to contact us, please do so on 34519 SMS or telegram us on 061-895-1019. If you'd like to listen to the previous podcast that we did together, it was in January this year, and... Eight or seven years ago, whenever it was that I started here, Alon was one of my first guests then. Do you remember that? I do. I do. We spoke. I think we spoke. We've spoken about gratitude and about time. And I think that one was about making the most of the time that we have in this world. Absolutely. Now, that funny enough that you should mention that because that falls into this caring for ourselves and the choices we make in um, in this chaos. It's looking at this as transitory. Ch- chaos means some, that there are changes ahead. Chaos never just remains as chaos. Something is happening. And as I say that, I was actually just thinking, looking at you, uh, Alon, you have often helped me in a time of, of crisis and chaos. And you have come in to a situation where you haven't known people, but you have brought a sense of calm in. To the chaos. And in that way, you have changed that chaos into something that is more acceptable. Yeah, I think, you know, when we talk, as we said, when we talk about chaos, we, we, we often look that it's this organized, it's, it's, it's just, it creates a lot of havoc. And often what we need to do is just try and find meaning within that um, situation or circumstances that we find ourselves in. Chaos is often a mental attitude that we see things around us. We, it's, whether it's stressful, it's an unknown situation, we're not sure what to do with it or how to um, handle it. And sometimes we just need someone from the outside. Um, there's a beautiful statement of, of our sage that says, a person in prison can't free themselves. Sometimes we get so caught up in our own situations, in our own lives, that we just need sometimes someone from the outside who can see in to try and help us to to make sense of this chaos in our lives and just to give us some order and some direction. And when people do that, it's, wow, it gives a sense of calm and a sense of meaning almost to say, well, this isn't random. This isn't something that's just happening to me. Actually, I can find meaning in it. And I think that that was the last quote that you read about taking those situations that we find ourselves in and finding meaning in them, looking for something and saying, wow, something's happening to me. I'm not, I wasn't expecting it. It's difficult for me to go through, but 
what lesson can I take from it? What meaning can I find in this chaos? And by doing that, you take a situation and you start looking and say, wow, I can learn this lesson. I can learn that lesson. I start finding meaning in what I'm going through. I start growing within myself. I start to see I've got inner strength that maybe I didn't realize I had before. There's lessons I can learn mm. that maybe I wouldn't have learned without going through that. And now all of a sudden that chaos now starts to take a different approach. It starts to take a different turn of actually, wow, I'm growing through this. This is actually a situation that's helping me become a better person. It's helping me look deep within myself to resources I never realized that I had. And I'm actually now finding meaning in this chaos. There's this, this care. Yeah, I'm making the right choices. I'm caring. This chaos actually becomes something so deep and meaningful to me. It doesn't make the situation any easier necessarily. I'm still going through a difficult situation. It doesn't take the pain away necessarily of the situation that I find myself in, but it does give me a sense of meaning of where I am. Absolutely. And you know, it's how we define what is chaos, quite honestly, and, and what is going on around our lives. Yesterday when we had the snow, I, I posted on um, a, a chat that I've got with my, my brother and sister-in-law's kids, and I said uh, snow in Johannesburg, and my nephew who lives in London said, that's what you call snow. <laughs> And I said to him, actually, it's what I call a snowstorm. <laughs> so he said to, you know, for them, snow is when you got to pick up your kids because they're sinking beneath the snow. That's how deep it is. And, and it made me laugh thinking about, wow, what I thought was a storm <laughs> was just a drizzle to him. And it's very, very much what we do in life. So sometimes we can exaggerate things in our own mind. Or other people can exaggerate them in a crowd that we get sucked into the sense of, my gosh, there's a storm all around us. It's raging. Where can I go to find some sort of shelter? Yeah, and it's so, it's so funny you mentioned it because I was having the same conversation. I was on a Zoom call yesterday with some people from overseas, some guys from the States and some guys from – and I said, it's snowing. And they say, show us pictures. <laughs> so I showed them. I said, like, that's not snow. <laughs> they were like, when we have snow, we've got to close down our schools. We can't drive anywhere. The roads are blocked. That's snow. They were like, I was like, well, we never have this. This is like a, you know, and it's, it's, it's that same message again of that's my reality and that's your reality. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take away that for us that was snow. If they look at it, they go, but that's not snow because that's their reality. Absolutely. And it, and, and we should never negate someone else's sense of reality in that. You know, for us, it was like, oh, I can go with a little snowman. Yeah. I can go have some fun in it. That, that was our excitement. But sometimes that's what happens in life in our own situations. We look at other people and, and we see the chaos that they're going through. And we think, that's not chaos. I've been through much worse than what they're mm-hmm. going through. I don't know why they're having such a hard time about it. I don't know why they're taking so much strain with it. It's so easy. I've okay. been through much harder things. And we tend to look at other people's lives through our own life instead of uh, instead of having that empathy and looking well you know for them this is hard and for them this is their journey we tend to look at people through our own lives and through our own mindsets and sometimes we can negate other people's struggles and challenges because of that and part of that care in chaos is actually acknowledging other people's chaos that for them and their personality that's because you know an a-type personality you know if you leave things lying around for them that's chaos Mm, mm. for other people that's like that's organized 
But each person has their own sense, has their own reality of what creates that. And it's not for us to judge other people. It's for us to accept that and for us to deal with it and to have that care for that, for that person and say, well, how do I help this person through their chaos? It's not about how I would do it. How do I need to help them um, and, and, and their challenges? And uh, you're so right because there's so many different ways of caring. There's a physical caring that people needs phys- need physical health. There's the empathy and the emotional caring. And I think sometimes we've got to recognize what is really being asked of us. You know, at the moment, um, Bernice Burson at our shul has been a- uh, collecting money for the Angel Network for to hand out blankets to the underprivileged. And uh, it's been an amazing success, but I'll get back to that shortly. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson, and I'm back with uh, Rabbi Alon Joseph on the 101.9 High FM program on Finding Human. And we're talking about finding care in chaos and the choices that we have to make. You know, I was just thinking about emotional empathy, which often comes in. And my little granddaughter in Israel is so sweet. Last night she sent a message, a voice message, asking Zayda and Safta, did you do snow, did you make snow angels on the ground? <laughs> now, I must admit the mind boggled. I thought how beautiful. Leon could definitely get up and down off the ground, but I would need some help at this stage to get up and down. But she wanted to know if we'd made snow angels. I didn't want to disappoint her and say, well, there wasn't enough snow, really. <laughs> but, uh, and then today, just before coming on air, she sent a message to, to say, we probably need hot chocolate. And in Israel at the moment, you can, uh, in winter, what they did, they, she's five. They had, they melted this chocolate in boiling water and you're not going to believe it's after, she says. She said, there was a marshmallow that also <laughs> comes with it. Well, it was so sweet. It sounded absolutely delicious. And I thought, really, that's emotional and uh, intelligence. It really is. And empathy. You know, her grandparents are in South Africa freezing, and she is in Israel 38 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> and there it is again, just looking for, you know, looking at other people and saying, what advice can I give? How can I help? You know, they, they, I'm here, but I want to help them. Yeah. So this is the advice, you know, melt some chocolate, put a marshmallow <laughs> in, you'll feel better, you'll feel warm. But it's that care and concern that we have for other people that's so important. So important. And it's something that we need to pass on to our children, quite honestly. Now, um, Alun, you were telling me about, um, the, uh, Mog- what's, what's his name? Mo Godet. <laughs> Mo Godet, yes. Huh, just tell us how you spell it again. So it's M-O-G-A-W-D-A-T, Mo Gaudet. Um, I came across him a number of years ago. I was reading, I can't remember the book I was reading and it mentioned him and he was, he was one of the Google executives. He was in charge of Africa and Asia and he had a, a philosophy. He was trying to work out as an engineer if you could have an equation for happiness. You know, you want to solve everything. So he wrote a book called Solve for Happiness. And in it, he discusses, is there such a thing as an equation for happiness? If you could come up with an equation for people to tell them, if you want to be happy, follow the simple process and you'll get there. And he starts off his book um, 
with a similar approach to the rest of the world that if you want to be happy, it's about the possessions that you've got and it's about amassing as many things as you can. And he writes that he was sitting in, in Dubai one night and uh, he was looking for something new and he went online and he ordered these two old exotic Rolls Royces for himself. And uh, they arrived a couple of weeks later and quite excitedly when they arrived, oh, he was so happy. But then he realized that that actually didn't make him happy. So he realized that your material possessions, that's not really what's going to add a lot of happiness to your life. So that's, so he started going on this journey of happiness and he came up with the following equation. He said happiness equals um, expectation plus reality. When I, when our expectations and reality match each other, I'm happy. When my expectations and reality don't match, don't match each other, then I'm unhappy. And it's so interesting because he writes that he had a young son who unfortunately died quite tragically. And he now had to put himself through this process and say, well, if this is my equation, how do I deal with it? How do I live with it? Do I just become depressed, lock myself in my room and, and go into a dark hole? Or do I start working with what I've learned? And he said, you know, he can't bring his son back. His son's gone. But it doesn't mean that he has to lose himself in that process as well. And he started working through his own equation of, well, what are the expectations that we have around us? And sometimes we have unrealistic expectations. And when reality happens and our expectations aren't met, then I become unhappy. And he takes us on so many different levels, on a relationship level. If you're expecting something from someone else and they don't fulfill that expectation, you become upset at that person, breaks down that relationship with that person. If you're expecting something in business, if you're going into a business meeting with a certain expectation and you don't have that, so then right, you become unhappy. So he discusses how we deal with that, but he also says that one also has to, you have to have expectations. You can't just go through life without expecting anything either. So how do we create that balance of what's a realistic expectation? Versus that, and what he comes out with is something so fascinating that often our expectation is what is what we want other people to do, mm-hmm. and he says that that 's the downfall i can 't control other people, but I can control myself it 's my expectation versus the reality that might happen. How do I deal with those things how What expectations have I created from people around me? If I expect something from someone else, but i can 't control that person. And they don't fulfill my need. I look at that person and I think, oh, you're terrible and it's so bad. But he says, you've created that yourself because mm. you had an expectation of that person. But that's unrealistic because you can't control other people. And therefore, the only person you can control is yourself. And therefore, it's about your expectations. It's the way that you've structured how you look at your life. And how you deal with disappointments in your own life. It's that chaos in our own life that if we can deal with that and how, and how we look at those expectations, that's how we can become happy. And he says happiness is available to everyone. And it's not about what we have, but it's about the choices that we make in our own lives that are going to determine our level of happiness. So true. It really is. And, you know, just thinking about that and how he, he reframed his whole life actually. You know, looking at the material things that he thought would give him meaning to actually there was something so much greater that he was looking for and that could only come from inside. Right. And he had to find that inner being, that inner core of his own, which said to him, you're worthy of life still. And I think so often after losing a, a close relative or a child, it's that terrible feeling of I don't actually deserve life. 
Right. And, and that's that chaos that we go through. Right? That's that personal level chaos. of chaos. And that's normal like in all of your experience in dealing with people in those situations and, you know, and all the work that you do with hospice. That's exactly what you find, that it's so hard for people to deal with loss and to deal. That creates a tremendous amount of chaos in a person's life. Mm. Very definitely. You know, um, I just was suddenly thinking about uh, Bernice, I, I ended before we went to uh, advert about Bernice Person, who was collecting money for the Angel Network for these blankets, and she posted the pictures of people receiving these blankets, and the and re, the responses were fantastic. And I thought, you know, the work that we do for others really uplifts ourselves and uplifts other people around you. Because I was reading the responses too. To these uh, these pictures, and it it really just lifted our community. The women in our community, you know, if the men wanted to be there, they could also be <laughs> lifted up. But it was it was turning this uh, this chaos, this cold, whatever, into something that was positive. And I had been feeling so safe. I was so excited myself when I saw the snow coming, and. Then I thought of the people on the side of the roads and I thought, oh my gosh, the people are collecting our plastic and how freezing they must be. So, you know, it was quite, uh, it's, uh, it's also something that I think we often misjudge how much our input matters in a situation. We, we can go into a situation which can be totally chaotic. And if we can maintain that calm that Seneca talks about, that that calm that people around us will actually feel a little bit calmer. Have you found that in your own work, Alon? I think most definitely. I think you know we have we have an ability that we're not in that situation. So we have an ability to see it very differently. We're in, we don't have those emotions flowing through us. We, we're not part of that situation. So we have the ability to remove ourselves, and therefore we have an ability to see things differently and to help people because of that. And when we can remain calm and we can remove ourselves from that, we have an ability to guide people, to offer advice. But sometimes it's even just supporting them. Mm. Sometimes it's just being there for them without saying anything. Just them knowing that you're there for them is sometimes so important. And that's what can create, an, you know, giving them that sense of comfort in, in their time of chaos. That's that care mm. is that we don't always have to say something. We don't always have to feel like, oh, well, you know, I, I can't just sit here. Often, often that you find, um, when, when unfortunately someone passes away and we go and we go to the house of mourning and uh, people will sit there. And they'll discuss, you know, they'll sit there and they're looking at the, at the people mourning and they think, oh, I've got to say something because I just don't like silence. And, um, the person who's mourning is going through their own chaos, is going through their own emotions. And maybe they don't want to talk about the weather or mm. about the sports, you know, or about anything. They, for them, it's a very difficult time. But the person who's come to visit them sometimes feels, I don't like silence. Mm. So they'll start talking about things and they'll start, you know, have you heard about this and have you heard about that? But sometimes what that person needs is sometimes just someone just to be there without listening. I remember once reading a story that uh, we have a we have a law in Judaism that when you go visit a house of mourning, you have to wait for the mourner to start the conversation. You shouldn't start the conversation first. And if they don't start the conversation, then you just sit there quietly. Mm. And someone once shared with me a story of it that someone went to go visit a person in mourning and they sat there 
and they were sitting and the person was just there and the person never said anything to them. So they weren't going to initiate the conversation. And after about 15 minutes, they got up, they gave them the greeting and they left without saying one word to, to the person. Mm-hmm. And um, after that week of, of, of sitting, that person phoned them and said, I know you came to visit me and I know we never spoke, but I want you to know that just you being there was a great sense of comfort for me. I really wasn't in the mood to speak. Uh, I really wasn't in a good frame of mind that day. But just having you there and just knowing that you were there for me was a tremendous sense of comfort. So in that silence, there was healing. Yes. And meaning. Yeah. So in that chaos, right, there there was nothing that was said. Mm. The care that they gave that person was just what that person needed, and that was just the support, just to know other people are there for you, just to know that people care. You know, uh, Viktor Frankl said, we who lived in concentration camps can remember the men who walked through the huts comforting others, giving away their last piece of bread. They may have been few in numbers, but they offer su- sufficient proof that everything can be taken from a man. But one thing, the blast of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. And in those words, I think my greatest teachers in my life have been the ones who in their attitude, they have cho- they have shown me what it is that I want to aspire towards. Have you found that in your life as well? I think the people who have mentored us and guided us are often those people who understood what empathy really is, that it wasn't about them. It was about the person who they were guarding. It wasn't about their lives. It was about how do I help this person? How do I help this person in front of me? What do they need more than what I need? And I think most definitely I can think of, 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 of a number of situations where, where there were people who looked out for me like that and pulled me aside and said, you know, I think this is what you need. I think this is where, where your direction needs to go. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? And they really had no benefit whatsoever by doing that for me. It was really purely that they were just looking out for me. They saw a situation that I was involved in that wasn't good for me. And they just said, this is not going to end well for you. And we're here to help you and to and to guard you. But I think we also need to be open to that guidance as well. As much as people want to give it, we have to be open to it. But you also have to trust the person giving giving it. A hundred percent. It's got to come from a good place. And you have mm. to know that person's really doing it from a good place. But I think the person receiving it has to be open to it. And sometimes people are not open to it. And that's okay. We can still support them and we can still be there for them. And when their time is right and they're open to having that, it will come. Mm. But we have to realize that, as you correctly said, that, you know, in that beautiful quote of Viktor Frankl, we have to be making those choices. There were, you know, as he said, there were people few and far between, but they stood out that they had the, they had the freedom to choose that situation. Mm -hmm. And the question we have to ask ourselves is what am I choosing? When I'm going through chaos, when I'm going through difficult times, what am I choosing? My God had said he had the same choice. Do I become depressed and melancholy and just give up on life? Or do I choose to do something different? I think we all face those situations in life on a daily basis probably of what am I choosing to do with the situation I find myself in? Is it going to destroy me or am I going to use it to build me? And that was that first quote that that you brought so beautifully, that we can learn from the situations we're going through. We can grow through them. 
but I have to be open to that. I have to look at that and say, okay, it's chaos and it's, it's horrible, but what do I need to learn from it? How do I need to grow from it? And having that right attitude, you know, I think it's a lot when we were chatting before about the difference between the optimist and the pessimist. You know, the, the right. pessimist looks at the world and says, oh, it's bad and it's only going to get worse. <laughs> you know, and the optimist says, okay, it's bad and it's difficult, but there's a reason for it. And that mindset is what can sometimes take that chaos and turn it into meaning. Mm-hmm. Just having the, just having the ability to look at it. Do you see the opportunity or do you see absolute disaster? How do you see it? How do you perceive that? It's, that's so true, quite honestly. And I'm just thinking about climbing a mountain. But if anyone would like to join us in this conversation, please do so on 34519 or telegram us on 0618951019. I think so often in life, what we actually are preparing ourselves for, let's say a mountain climb. Um, we can, we can map it out. We can see where, you know, okay, it's going to go down here and then a steep incline there. And even if you're doing Mount Everest, look, you can't always choose the <laughs> weather, but you can more or less know what your next step is going to be. We're, but life doesn't give us those steps. It can happen so suddenly that we can be knocked off that pathway that we thought we were going to tread. And then we have to find a new pathway. And in that new pathway, hopefully, we have people who walk beside us. You and I were talking about relationships. But I just wanted to say, you know, I was, I was looking up words that were related to chaos. Did I tell you this just now? Uh, while we've been on air, or was it before? was before. Okay. So words related to chaos were like disarray, disorder, lawlessness, pandemonium, turmoil, havoc, confusion, mess. And if you look at the pandemic that we came through, all of those words relate to that. And the opposite of chaos is order, calm, harmony, peace, orderliness, tidiness. Now, so if we don't know the path and we are suddenly thrown into this turmoil, this chaos, what do you think we need the most to get us through? I leave that to you. So you're the guru in this area. No, but you're the, you're the rabbi in this area. <laughs> Sometimes the questions are better than the answers. Mm. Um but I think you're right that, you know, we have a concept of having faith, but you only know how strong your faith is when you get tested. And we're going to get back to that test. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on the Finding Human program. And my guest today is Rabbi Alon Joseph, and we've been talking about uh, the uh, um, the in the midst of chaos, how we need to bring in care. Now, he was about to tell me something. I can't remember. No, <laughs> so, no we were talking I'll about the tools you. that we need in life to get through that. And right. what I was saying before is that we only know how strong we are when we get challenged on something. We can prepare all of our lives. You know, if you're preparing for climbing a mountain, as you said, you only know how well your preparation has gone when you start climbing that mountain. Mm. You know, if you're preparing for a race, I remember someone 
there's a friend of mine who's a cyclist and he said the, you know, the more he prepares for a race, um, the better he knows the race is going to go. And it's, it's like that, that the more you prepare for something, you know, it's going to, you, you know, it's going to be better. I, I was once, I was once, um, watching a documentary about, um, Usain Bolt, the fastest man alive. And he was talking about his training and the hours that he would put in day after day. And he said his race lasts less than 10 seconds, huh. but the hours he has to put in to run that race. So he says that the race is easy. The preparation's hard. Yeah. And uh, I was, uh, I just, it was a beautiful idea that the race is easy, but the preparations aren't because that's where you've got to grow. That's where you've got to challenge yourself. That's where you've really got to, you know, find your weaknesses, strengthen yourself, look at what's not working and what is working. It's that preparation. If you're climbing up a mountain, you've got to prepare for it. And the, the more, the, the more you're going to be prepared for it, the better it's going to be and the more you're going to enjoy it. And I think life is sometimes the same thing. That the more we prepare for life, the the easier life will be. And what does it mean to prepare for life? I think it's these ideas that we're talking about. It's about the mindset that we have. Do we look at chaos? Or do we look at it and say there's there's a challenge over here? Do we look at do we look at life as the optimist or the pessimist? How are we viewing those situations around us? If I view it as as an opportunity of growth, if I view it as a challenge, then I, I don't look forward to them. But I know that on a daily basis when they happen. I can say, wow, this is, you know, I've prepared for this. This can help me achieve my next level. This can help me to grow and to show and to help me become better. So the more open we are to ourselves and to that growth that we have within ourselves, I think the happier that we become and the more we're able to look at it. Those are the tools that we need, that openness within ourselves, looking at ourselves saying, where are my strengths? Where are my weaknesses? What makes me me? Who am I? And the challenges we go through are each individually designed for us to help us become the best that we can be. That's the, the, the so-called chaos we go through isn't really chaos. It's not always easy, but those are the challenges we go through that can help us to become the best and to help us grow. And they'll bring out things within ourselves, personality traits within ourselves that we never um, knew that we had. And therefore, if, if we have that and we're open to it, then we can develop those tools that we need, just like climbing a mountain. Right, you you sometimes you mentioned Everest. So sometimes on Everest you need ice picks, and sometimes you need your grip ons on your shoes. You need different things for different environments. Within our own life, it's the same thing. We need different toolkits. We need different abilities, and that comes through growth. That comes through learning. It comes through introspection. It comes through being open. It comes through the philosophies that we have in life. That's what's going to guide us and help us. And it's that resilience that in our journey of life we actually build up. A message has come through from Carol Zimmerman, listening and absorbing every precious word. Thank you, Carol. That's so nice of you. It's so beautiful. Anyone else like to send a message, please do so on SMS 34519 or Telegram 061-895-1019. Um, you know, I think in that preparation and we can, as you, in our life, whether it's up the mountain or wherever, we need to look at resilience. And resilience, you know, it actually comes from a Latin word. I don't know if you knew this. I've mentioned it before. Rebound or recall, a re recoil, you know, like a snake would recoil and then shoot forward. So that's what resilience Oh, those are the, that's what resilience actually means, to rebound or recoil. And if I think about it, that's exactly what does happen. So often we are knocked flat. 
And then we have to find the strength, which is the resilience, to keep going. And it is a skill, and it comes from within. And we we often need to also look at in the darkest of times, when the world is in chaos, our world and the general world, we, we need to sometimes lead from within and be there in the darkest moment, just not... Not as Pollyanna, but simply to to show the calm. I've often told the story of, of the little sparrow. I love the story. It's a little sparrow, and the world was going crazy. Talk about chaos. This was chaos. The, the animals and the humans and the birds, everybody was going mad. They were flying. They were running. They were jumping. And there, there was this little sparrow with its spindly little legs stuck up into the sky. And everyone said, quickly, run, run. The sky's falling down. The sky's falling down. And the little sparrow said, you run while I hold up the sky. And that, to me, is, is part of that unbelievable resilience, saying within myself, I actually can hold up a bit longer, be the strength that is needed for others and for myself. Yeah, I saw a beautiful quote the other day on that that said, um, you've survived 100% of your worst days. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> right? And we're still here. So if you think about it, we have. we've so Everything we've been through, the fact that I'm still here, I've survived all of it. That's amazing. You've made it through. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you've made it through means that you have the abilities, therefore, to face anything else that's going to happen. Because if you can make it through those bad days, you can make it through other bad days. You've got – we have an inner strength inside of us that we're not aware of or we don't capitalize on it because we're not really in touch with it all the time. But we are so powerful. We are really unlimited potential. And sometimes the chaos of these situations you go through helps us realize how strong we really are. And we're the only people who can realize that people can tell us, oh, you're great and you're amazing and you're beautiful and you're this and you're that. But if I don't believe it, it's not going to help what other people tell me. I've got to believe it. But and the only way I'm going to believe it is if I'm able to see it. And the only way I'm able to see it is if I'm able to go through it. And situations we go through, if we have that open mind to say, wow, I survived. I went through it. What did I learn from it? What skills did this teach me? How did I get through that? I didn't think when it started I'd ever be able to get through that. So how did I do it? There was something, there's a resilience we have inside of us that if we can tap into it and we can find it, that will give us the ability not only to deal with something that happens, but it gives us the ability to fly even greater and to so even to higher hearts because I realize of this potential I have inside of me that maybe I'm holding back on things. Maybe I'm not pushing myself to the full extent. Mm, absolutely so true. And also to realize that that skill that you've learned as you have resisted falling into that deep pit, that skill will be with you for the rest of your life. And I think that's something that we often forget about. And I've so often worked with people and asked them how they have coped with other situations in their life. And they've been amazed at actually how they have coped because we are our own worst critics, let's face it. So we don't always acknowledge that, my gosh, 
that did take me strength, and I did do it. And, you know, now, uh, as Socrates mm. says, know thyself. Remember, that's what Socrates <laughs> said. I think that's one of our greatest challenges, to know ourselves, to know our weaknesses, to know our strengths, so that on this path of life, we know when we're falling off the path or when we can go back on. And also, um, Alon, I think something that's so important, and you, I know you agree with this, is your traveling companions. Who do you choose to walk this walk with? Yeah, and about appreciating those people. Mm-hmm. It was, I was um, reading, I'm busy reading a fascinating book at the moment called The Good Life. I can highly recommend it. It's about a Harvard study. It's known, I think it's uh, at least over 80 years that they've been studying people. Um, and groups of people, and they called it the good life, and it's a study on happiness. We're going to get back to that. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. This is Sue Jackson, and I'm back with Rabbi Alon Joseph, and we've been talking about care in chaos, and we're on 101.9 High FM. You were about to tell me about that study done. So there's a book called The Good Life. I can highly recommend it. So this was a Harvard study where they've been following people for the past 80 years and they're onto their, onto the second generation and some of them even onto the third generation and they go and they interview them and ask them questions about what makes people happy. And they've, they've, they thought they knew the answers to things by looking at different people, but as the more they study, the more they're able to piece things together. And the longer your study can be, the more information you've got. So they've just released this book, I think it was last year or the year before, and it's, it's been so interesting about what makes people happy. And their their biggest answers are things which we generally know, but we I don't know if we think about them often enough. And the one thing that stands out for them is strong relationships and the people that you have with you, mm. the stronger those relationships and the stronger the people with you around, that's really what makes people happy. It's not about how much they owned or the, the life that they, that they, you know, they thought they were going to live, but it was the people who were with them the whole time that actually made them the happiest people. So those were your traveling companions then. Eh? Those were your traveling companions. Mm. And it can be friends. It can be, it can be your, it can be your, your spouse or your partner or your friends, but we do need people around. We, we are social people at the end of the day. And we do need those people around us to help us and to guide us. There, there, there are things we can learn about us ourselves. You know, I've, I've got a very close friend, and um, once a year he asks me a question, and he says, you know, tell me where I'm going wrong. He says, you know, I can't see myself necessarily. So other people see me. Where do you think I need to improve? How do you think I need to improve? And, you know, as, as, as hard as that conversation is, that's what he wants. He says, I, you know, I need other people to be able to, to guide me on my journey. So when we're open to those to those companions around us, whether it's you know wh- whoever it is, we we need people along our journey to help us, and that's I guess that's that that that's that care and compassion as well about being there for other people, you know, looking out for other people. We you know you see someone in a situation, you can go up and greet them, you can go up and say hello to them, you can you know look for those opportunities to be a guard to someone, look for those opportunities to build that relationship with someone. Don't only be caught in our own worlds. I think the I think the one thing we need now more than ever is to build those strong relationships with people around us. People are struggling, it's hard. People are going through such difficulties and sometimes all they need is just 
a friendly smile, a wave hello, just a someone recognition. Hundred percent, just a recognition. Wow, mm. you, you knew you haven't seen you, whatever it is, just something like that to acknowledge someone else. It's it's such a powerful tool, and it's so easy. And I think the world that we live in today just it brings a sense of comfort to someone to say, "Wow, I was recognized." Mm-hmm. Wow, someone acknowledged me. That's a huge thing. We should be, we should be doing that ourselves. But sometimes just that external acknowledgement and appreciation is sometimes such a powerful, such a powerful impact we can have on the world around us. And if you look at the bullying in schools today, I think one of the main things are that the children, the, they are not recognizing someone different to themselves. So they are staying in these little cliques of you are just like me, and that you'll you'll be part of my tribe. Not recognizing that there are people on the outside looking in with longing to just belong. It's a it's sad, you know, what social media has done uh, to our teenagers, especially today. Do do you not yeah. agree with that? Well, I think it was even more than that. I think this has been going around for even before social media. Things have been going around for a long time. But I think your point is look for other people. Look for the opportunities to be kind. Look for the opportunities to include people. Let's try to bring more peace and let's try to get rid of that chaos. Absolutely. And if we see someone out there, let's bring them in and welcome them. I think that's one of the greatest things we can do. 100%. Uh, Craig's telling us to wrap up, but I just wanted to read this beautiful message by Arthur Ashe. The legendary Wimbledon player was dying of AIDS, which he got due to infected blood he received from a heart surgery in 1983. During his illness, he received letters from his fans, one of which conveyed, Why did God have to select you for such a bad disease? To this, Arthur Ashe replied, 50 million children started playing tennis. 5 million learned to play tennis. 500,000 learned professional tennis. 50,000 came to circuit. 5,000 reached Grand Slam. 50 reached Wimbledon. 4 reached the semifinals. 2 reached the finals. When I was holding the cup in my hand, I never asked God, why me? So now that I'm in pain, how can I ask God, why me? Happiness keeps you sweet. Trials keeps you strong. Sorrows keeps you human. Failure keeps you humble. Success keeps you glowing, but only faith keeps you going. A child on a farm sees a plane flying overhead and he dreams of flying, while a pilot on the plane sees the farmhouse and dreams of returning home. That's life. Thank you, Alon, and thank you, Craig. It's been wonderful being with you. Um, if you would like to contact Alon on LinkedIn, please do so. It's under Alon Joseph. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful day, everybody.